Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of February 3rd, 2022, including Sony purchased Halo creator Bungie. We got our first official trailer for the Halo TV show. MLB The Show is coming to Game Pass day one again this year, and more. Well, here we go again. You thought, hey, maybe after all this Activision acquisition announcement news, whatnot, we'd have a really nice low-key episode as, you know, low-key, I know, very popular TV show on Disney+. Plus. But no, we can't talk about Disney Plus TV shows. Instead, we have to talk about more acquisitions because it just won't fucking stop. So obviously, you know, why shy from the fact Sony just acquired Bungie, huge fucking news, but we'll get into that in the news segment. Just want to obviously address at the top of the show because it would seem kind of like the elephant in the room if we if we didn't say something. I mean, obviously Bungie, a quintessential team to the Xbox brand. They kind of uh, are the reason why Xbox was able to be legitimized and survive as a brand to begin with. So kind of an important studio. Crazy to think that Sony of all companies now owns them, but we'll, we'll get into that when we jump into the news. Until then, guys, welcome to episode 139 of Xbox On. For those of you in Ireland, you of course know the significance of the number 139, which I won't share here on the podcast, but you, you know the number and what it means for you guys. So that's awesome. But hey, guys, a little bit of a weird transition for me. I just came off of a odd week. I had some family visiting, a little bit of an impromptu kind of timing for me to jump into the, the podcast. That's not really the right word for it, but just trying to get in my groove. I'm a little off my, my, my normal schedule, so trying to make sure I can get into my elite gamer mindset so I can deliver you the best possible Xbox podcast this week. Let's start out this week, just jump right into it, just to kind of, you know, get things going. We'll start with some, these are, you know, the stories that aren't really necessarily newsworthy. Let's dig into them and break them apart, but also something worth mentioning, you know, something a little amusement out of these. So remember NFTs, how we're all pissed about NFTs, fuck NFTs, and, and all these companies trying to make us buy into their scammy bullshit? Well, Ubisoft, who are possibly the, the worst so far when it comes to the NFT scam that's taking place in gaming right now, had a little bit of a cute little update regarding their courts initiative with with NFTs and, and their bullshit games. And uh, let me just read this. In, in an interview, this is from VGC, in an interview with an Australian financial comparison site Finder, Ubisoft Strategic Innovations Lab VP Nicholas Puard, Powered defended the publisher's plans to add NFTs to its games despite all the backlash, saying, quote, well, it was a reaction that we were expecting. We know it's not an easy concept to grasp, but Quartz is really just a first step that should lead to something bigger, something that will 
be more easily understood by our players. I think gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring to them. For now, it's because the current situation, the context around NFTs, gamers really believe it's first destroying the planet and second, just a tool for speculation. But what we at Ubisoft are seeing first is the end game. The end game is about giving players the opportunity to resell their items once they're playing finished with the game itself. So it's really, for them, beneficial, but they don't want to get it for now. So I absolutely love this quote because this is one of those things that got instantly torn apart. And I don't like to celebrate, you know, in like people getting shit on or like people just getting, you know, completely bullied online uh, necessarily. But this is one of those rare instances where I'm where I just I, I really do like seeing people just totally shit on this guy and shit on the story because. What, what he's doing is essentially that, but to the gaming audience, he's like, yeah, we had this really unpopular announcement, this really unpopular thing we've, we're, we're, the initiative we're trying to do, where we're trying to get our NFT system baked into our games going forward, and everyone really wasn't happy about that, and we kind of expected that, but guys, let's be honest, the reason why gamers aren't happy about this is because they have tiny brains and because obviously they just don't see how awesome and valuable nfts are and you know we here at uh, corporate over at ubisoft we're pretty we're pretty badass you know you, people might think we're just nothing but suits you know but but, uh, but we wear leather jackets because we're so, we're so fucking badass and french at the same goddamn time but i i love this because it's just so arrogant and it's like, you know that saying, don't bite the hand that fucking feeds you? Well, guess what? Your your audience kind of matters, so you probably shouldn't go around insulting them, saying things like, well, they just don't get NFTs. They're, they're just, they, they're, their brains aren't developed. They're like tiny babies, and they just need to, they just need to buy into our NFT scam uh, before they can understand the intricacies and the nuance of this kick-ass, totally radical crypto thing that we're getting in on because people are going to make so much money. It's going to be awesome. Everyone's going to be rich. Everyone's going to be fucking swimming in. And babes and we're all gonna have hot tubs and, and and john stamos is gonna be there to be our friend and he's gonna personally greet each and every individual who purchases an nft and it's like dude fuck fuck off no no one's buying your shit we're mad because this shit sucks and your games are already not that great and now you're making them shittier by being a fucking dickwad don't add insult to injury by like literally spitting the face of your consumer base you kind of suck so that's uh i I just obviously nothing to really get out of this other than to just kind of have a laugh at this guy's expense because what an absolute dick move. But I just thought that was absolutely worth worth mentioning for the laugh. Other than that, before we get into actual show stuff, another funny, not funny, something that was going on in the news that I find quite a little, quite a bit sad is pertaining to Sega. After more than 50 years, Sega's branding is set to disappear from its Japanese arcades, which were announced this, this news was announced earlier in the week. So Sega, for those who don't know, obviously, pretty famous in Japan for having these massive multi-level arcades that are just sexy as all can be, full of sexy, fun video games that you can put your money in and play video games and have a good time because for some reason, Sega still celebrates the arcade industry unlike America. But that is coming or not the arcades themselves aren't closing thank god but sega's involvement with the arcades is coming to an end so they're selling their remaining now you guys might remember a similar story was in the news about a year or two ago sega was scaling back their involvement this is them selling off the rest of of their investments so this is them completely exiting the arcade business so they announced this past week um, they're selling the remaining amount of their of, of their investment in the entertainment or in the arcade industry, basically, to Genda Inc., which is a 
a Japanese rental business. Apparently, they were the ones who purchased the majority of Sega's entertainment business back when this started happening a few years ago, and now they're you know just gobbling up the rest of it. So going forward, apparently Genda is going to rebrand the arcades as uh, Gigo or Gigo Entertainment. So. Basically, they're going to be the same arcades, but rebranded, and we don't know how you know how that's going to affect the lineup of the of the arcades. If maybe they're going to get better or worse, or how that's really going to change. It may just be a name change and an operational change, but nonetheless, it is sad because it does signal the end of an era. Obviously, Sega, a brand that used to be so so powerful in gaming, you know, they had huge presence in the home console space, huge presence in the arcade scene, and now we're seeing them have a lot less presence in either of those. They just act as a medium, upper medium tier. Japanese games publisher and obviously these days Japanese games game publishers are not really as prominent as a lot of Western uh, publishers unfortunately so we just uh, we just don't see Sega being as big and strong a brand and a name as it used to be obviously with the exception of like Persona games and and Yakuza you know they're just they really have fallen from grace so I just want to do a little shout out there it is pretty sad at least the arcades will still be around which is the good news but you know to see this era kind of close out reminds me a little bit of when Sega had to completely exit from the hardware market but you know with that we got Xbox so who knows maybe Xbox will build a five-story arcade in Japan and we can all have a great field day and make happy boom boom time uh in on the fifth floor I don't know but guys with those little amusements out of the way I would like to settle into this week's episode not by getting into the news news is for squares we'll do we'll do that later Ooh, Sony bot Bungie uh shut up it can wait because first what I want to do is reach out to you guys the audience head on over over to the comment section where you guys write in each and every week. You go to youtube.com slash Xbox on podcast. You click on the latest episode and you leave me a comment. You can say something really nice like Jesse. You know what? You said you came into the, this week's episode a little out of uh, discombobulated, a little out of the ordinary. But to me, this sounded like you were just on point, ready to roll, ready to go. This is just you got it. You're natural. This boy, keep up the good work. And and why don't you do me a favor? Have a Disney pizza on me, you, you young man. And I'll be like, what a nice guy. Love love that guy. Thanks for commenting in with that comment that you just left for me. You could be a total asshole, and that's okay as well. You could say, Jesse, you're so fucking stupid, thinking that you can. You can go grocery shopping and hang out with your brother and drop him off at the airport all in the same day as you're recording a podcast. Recording a podcast is something that takes so much mental energy. If you're going to do it right, you know, you got to you got to wake up at 10 a.m. no later and you got to take a, a steamy hot shower. I'm talking 274 degrees here and you got to maybe maybe uh, do some vocal practice, get get your vocal cords warmed up, drink some hot tea. Don't you put fucking honey in it. You ain't no bumblebee. And then, you, you know, and then you may maybe do some some Tai Chi or some or some fucking meditation for a while before before it's time to do the podcast. But you you're over here thinking, oh, I can sit through traffic. I can drive through traffic and then do a podcast no you fucking making the product suffer and everyone hates it the show sucks you suck and by the way i hope disney pizza gets canceled again fuck you and i'll be like wow that was uncalled for and i'll read the comment because hey thanks for writing in but no one wrote that in this week thankfully so let's get into your real comments where our first one is coming from none other the Mr. A's King 117 who says when while you guys are down there arguing about barbecue sauce i'm up here enjoying soy sauce A's King, love ya. Soy sauce is completely irrelevant in the in the argument about barbecue sauce. So just because they're both called sauce doesn't mean they really even have any kind of relevancy in the same conversation. But hey, if you're putting soy sauce on your barbecue ribs or or whatever, or your barbecue chicken, your pulled pork, that's that's on you, man. To each his own. I don't know how that turns out, but you, whatever, A's King, whatever makes you happy, you fucking delinquent. 
badass Lord Tipsy writes in with the possibly the best comment I've seen in years. He says, gave you five-star rating on Spotify, as the cool kids say, first. Hey, guys, why don't you stop being uh, a good ass and start being a badass, like badass Lord Tipsy here, and go on over to Spotify, iTunes, whatever have you. Give me five-star review. Don't give me any less than five stars, or else I will find you. I will break into your house in the middle of the night, and I will leave you cookies just like you are supposed to do for Santa Claus. And you'll be so confused because you'll say, Jesse, we're supposed to leave cookies for Santa Claus. You're not supposed to break in and leave cookies. Santa Claus does the breaking and entering, and he leaves presents. We leave the cookies, and I'll say, fucking leave me a review, a good one, a really good one, five stars, if six if you can if you can spare them. And uh, anyway, most of you guys wanted to write in this week and talk about, surprise, surprise, Activision, Xbox buying Activision, Activision being uh, acquired by Xbox and Microsoft and all of that. So the discussion does rage on our first entry of that topic comes from way of the Lao, who says yo 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 word best wishes to everyone in the xbox on family Cronky, keep it real guys i hope everyone's doing well and i had to say i agree with the podcast's recent tone towards microsoft's acquisition while i hope the most negative things in my mind don't come to pass i do believe some will if anyone would like an example of this just look at the negative way microsoft has approached edge on windows 11 everyone please Forgive this comparison, but if Phil Spencer decides to pull a Darth Sidious and take over the Xbox Senate, what about it? You know, while I don't think he would do anything to harm the players, when someone becomes a CEO, that changes how they approach things in a matter of business. But I'm just a normal guy, so what do I know? It's been great. Li- it's been great listening to the podcast this past year. Everyone, take care and keep effing that chicken. Way of the Lao. Way to bring Microsoft Edge into this. I don't I don't like the new Microsoft Edge as much as I like the old one. Is that what we're talking about? I don't even like, you know, I miss the old Windows 10 early days with Microsoft Edge. Why is inking not supported in Microsoft Edge anymore? God damn it. Anyway, wait a while. Let's stay on track. I appreciate backing me up here because it seems like my takes last week were actually quite unpopular. But yeah, I mean, it's just as simple as that. It really does... It really does set the tone for things to be really bad in the future if things go wrong with Team Xbox, which, you know, every company has its ups and downs, good times, bad times. So that is an inevitability, not a possibility. Um, it's just more a matter of time. But, you know, it's not It's not even... We'll get into it more with some of these later comments, but that's not even the only reason why this sucks. And let's just keep reading on and we'll, we'll talk about that because I think some of these comments elaborate on that, that concern. My brother writes in and says, I'm kind of tired of Xbox saying Sony and Nintendo aren't their competitors. This is such BS. They don't compete with Xbox, but they're major, but they're major competition for Xbox. They both outsell Xbox globally. Xbox is becoming the kid that wasn't picked for the kickball team and says, I don't want to play anymore. That's a kid's game. Well, so first of all is I can relate to that because I, I was definitely that asshole who was just like, oh, I can't win. And I, don't want, I don't feel like being competitive in that way. Let me just shut down and be like, oh, I never I don't want to play anyway. But yeah, I get it. Xbox always makes the comment, you know, we're not competing with Nintendo and Sony. We're competing with Google and Apple and Amazon and et cetera, et cetera. And I get where that comes from because it, it is right. They're, they're looking long term. They're like, we're looking at where the industry is going. And in that sense, we're, you know, we're competing with these big tech conglomerates. We're not competing with like little Nintendo and their cute little tablet with uh, really chintzy, cheap, shitty knockoff controllers that slide on and off the sides of it, you know. But at the end, at, at the same time, it's like that's only half true because uh, in the immediate 
now and here now, like, of course they're competing with Nintendo. Of course there are people in this world who have to make a decision right now. Am I going to get my kid this little stupid Xbox Series S for $300 that has a picture of Fortnite on the box? Or am I going to get my little stupid kid this Nintendo Switch for $300 that also has the option to play this stupid fucking Pokemon game where you, like, throw... You throw plastic at Pokemon and you're like, apparently this is good for the environment. How does that work? And I get it. It's like for a lot of people, this is a competition. There is a decision to be made here. Consumers do have to look at Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo when they're making a decision about what home console they want to purchase. So obviously they are com- they are competing with each other. I think it's what Microsoft more so means by that. And I'm not trying to defend them necessarily. I'm just trying to you know, explain, this is like, maybe it's one of those things that's said short and sweet, but kind of leaves a lot of room for people to kind of interpret it differently, but really all they they mean by that is just saying, not, not to say that they don't actually compete with these companies, but to say, we can't beat Nintendo, we can't play, beat PlayStation, Xbox has been on the market for 20 years, and Think back, the be, the best example is always the 360, right? Because the Xbox 360 generation, I can tell you from at least the perspective of like a gamer back in those days who grew up in America, one of the biggest markets for video games, the conversation was Xbox 360 is king. PlayStation 3 sucks because it's expensive, the hardware is weird and janky, the online system sucks, and they don't have cool games like Halo and Gears of War. Nintendo sucks because the Wii is fucking stupid, it's cheap, it's underpowered, it's shitty, it's a grandma console, no one likes Wii bowling, fuck off, Nintendo's for babies, right? And then, Xbox 360, oh, Xbox 360 is so goddamn dope, you got the ability to talk to your friends in party chats, you got the ability to tell strangers in Wyoming that you're gonna fuck their mom, you got the ability to play Halo 3, which is the greatest game ever you got left for dead you got all these other games that are so dope and you can play them with your friends and then girls are gonna be coming over to your house and be like knock knock heard you got a 360 allow me to spin you around 360 degrees because i'm a i'm gonna be your girlfriend now and everyone's gonna be like whoa that guy's got that girl wow all he had to do was buy an xbox 360 elite for 399.99 at walmart and then this girl wanted to date him and that was the perception xbox 360 was king it was dominant everyone loved it right well how did it sell PS3 beat it, not by much, but PS3 beat it in sales globally, okay. Nintendo Wii fucking demolished it in sales globally, wow, okay. So, if you're Xbox, you're like, wow, that was our best generation, and we still got beat by both of these guys. And then, you look at the Xbox One, obviously, Xbox One is a huge marketing slip-up for Xbox, sold significantly worse than the 360, was significantly less likable for, for most audiences than the Xbox 360 was, and it got trounced by the Nintendo Switch and the PS4 uh, did better than the Wii U at least but you know it, it it's this thing where if you're Xbox you got you got to accept that it's like we're not going to win in this market of who has the best selling console it's not going to be Xbox Nintendo's going to keep beating you Sony's going to keep beating you you cannot win there so they're what they mean by saying is we don't compete with those guys is saying we're playing a different game because we can't win at that game, so now we got to play a different game. The streaming game, the services game, that's a game we can compete at. We're Microsoft. We have the backing of Microsoft. We can win at that game. We can definitely be... Anyone can beat Nintendo at that game. Nintendo can... Nintendo's not going to play that game. And and Sony, oh, we have the resources to compete with Sony on that. Let's do that. So I think for them, it's like, but you know, but that pushes them into this echelon of like, now we're talking about Google. Now we're talking about Amazon. You know, we're not so much talking about little old Nintendo and they're fucking throwing plastic into the fucking ether into the into the wilderness and being like this is good for the environment uh, come on little doggy jump inside this tiny ball you fucking idiot and you know it's it, it's a way for them to 
look successful, be successful, and be taken seriously in a way that's like feasible for them. Because at the end of the day, even though, hey, Xbox Series S and X, cool. They're already getting their ass kicked by Nintendo Switch. It's just been on the market forever already. And PS5, which, you know, just more popular because people love PlayStation. So that's that's really all they mean by that. But uh, hey, remember when I said we were talking about Activision and I detoured with this? Let's, let's jump back into Activision. Josiah, my brother, also says with a follow-up, what happened to the narrative like five minutes ago that Battlefield was going to was going to destroy Call of Duty, you know, in 2021. Battlefield 2042 wins. Call of Duty Vanguard sucks. But now everyone's like, boom, bitch. Xbox got caught. Fuck you, motherfucker. Josiah, yes. Thank you. Yes. Amen. 100%. Xbox fanboys are fucking toxic and annoying and miserable human beings. It's so, so, isn't it so ironic how five, yeah, it, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. They, they hated when they thought Battlefield 2042 looked cool because it was the popular thing to like. And when they thought Vanguard looked dumb because it was the popular thing to hate, it was fuck Call of Duty. And then when Microsoft's like, hey, we got all the money in the world. Instead of solving world hunger, we're just going to buy Call of Duty and call it a day. Everyone's like, oh yeah, green team wins, green team wins. Fuck you, PlayStation. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you other than gamers are fucking hypocrites and they just like to see their team win. I don't know. Dead Captain James writes in with a comment that I think is going to get us back on track because Dead Captain James always has something thoughtful to say, always has something productive to say. And honestly, Dead Captain James is just the most handsome person who writes in the podcast. Like, let's be honest. What am I going to compare it to? You know, fucking Cronky? That guy? He looks like a fucking ball sack. No. Dead Captain James writing in says, My thing is, why worry about the future? Just live in the now. This, referring to the acquisition, brings us lots of new games uh, straight up to Game Pass. Sure, Phil will be gone one day, but that's not. But there's no point in worrying about that and something that hasn't even happened. So he ends there, but this sparked a little bit of, oh, Dead Captain James, he sparked a little bit of fire because Cronky's jumping in. He's like, whoa, 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 Dead Captain James. How dare you enjoy your life? He says, you have inspired me to stop worrying about the future. I'm draining my savings account. I'm going to have the craziest vacation history. Thank you, DCJ. And Dead Captain James says, Josiah, you have a tiny brain. No, he didn't say that. He says, lol, the difference is, of course, you have direct control over your future. So you should definitely worry about your own. But we literally have zero control over who takes over after Phil Spencer. That's not our business. So no point in worrying about the future of Xbox at this moment. My my financial future is strongly tied to the S&P 500 companies, which Microsoft is one of. So I hope they do well now and into the future. And then Temple Knight elaborates a little more and gives us a little more um, context here and says, Dead Captain James, my thoughts exactly. This purchase is being of uh, being good or bad is just a thought exercise unless you change your life actions based on the outcome of the discussion. I hope Xbox stays focused on the consumer, but if they change, so will I. I used to be a hardcore PlayStation fan, but I've since switched my habits to primarily playing on Xbox due to the more consumer-friendly approach. I like Microsoft. I like Sony. But I'm going to do what makes most sense uh, in this moment, even if it means turning away from wayward tech giant. So Temple Knight and Dead Captain James, I appreciate this writing so much because I think what you guys provide here is so much of the inarguable, completely valid and respectable approach of the consumer. And I think that's the most important thing, right? Because nine out of 10 people who are impacted from a consumer level from this acquisition of, you know, Microsoft and, and Activision, whatever this merger on Team Xbox, you know, this is just like, cool, 
new games, awesome, cool shit, right? And then there's me, that one out of ten asshole who's just like, oh, consolidation's bad. I have a, uh, I'm a fucking idiot. The reason why this is cool is because, yeah, it means you get more awesome shit in the Game Pass. Your service is more valuable and less games you have to buy. It means more, hopefully, more shit Activision can do into the future with other IP because hopefully Microsoft can have them run a little differently than, than they were running before and maybe we can do more than just get a fucking Call of Duty every year. Maybe Tony Hawk can get a game again. Maybe Guitar Hero can come back. Maybe Crash Bandicoot will have a crossover game with Spyro the Dragon again like that one time 20 years ago when that happened. You guys remember that? I, I don't know. But I get it. It's like, hey, for us, you know, as Xbox consumers, as Game Pass subscription holders, this is just good shit. It just means we're getting more good shit. And I'm not supposed it's not my job as an owner and a player of Xbox to be like, oh, I'm really sweating about five or ten years from now. It's like, no, no, you're just supposed to fucking enjoy the fact that you bought an Xbox and it has good games and now it has more good games and you get more value out of it, and that's fucking awesome. That is a hundred percent valid, honest to God. The problem is I just can't this is this isn't a podcast about or for me at least, this isn't a podcast about just like being a guy who enjoys playing Xbox and the discussion. I'm supposed to look at the news and be like, man, this is what I think and feel about what this means for Xbox as a brand and for gaming as a as an industry altogether. And when I see this, I just can't help but see the ripple effect. And this couldn't have been your comments and in my point I'm trying to make right now couldn't have been timed any better because as we're about to get into in the news, Sony just fucking bought Bungie. And no, that's not a knee-jerk reaction to Microsoft buying Activision. No, it's not. But but it is a need, it is a reaction to they need content. The industry is consolidating like fucking crazy right now, and it's time to get in while you can and buy some. And what I'm saying is, we'll get again, we'll get into this in the news. Luckily, we got a little, we got off a little easy with the Sony Bungie deal that just went into place. But we won't always be so lucky because if we're on Team Xbox right now, it's like cool. Bethesda, Activision, so much good shit, right? If you're on PlayStation right now, you're like, so I'm just gonna fucking miss out on Starfield now. Fuck me, I just don't get Starfield. This is going to have a ripple effect. It's going to spark an arms race, which we're already seeing happen. It's been happening and it's about to get even worse. So what happens when, I don't know, Sony chalks up the money and buys Square Enix or buys Capcom, like it has been rumored? What if they fucking, I don't know, what if they somehow got EA? I don't know that that would happen or could happen, but what if they got EA? Because Sony, I can tell you this much, Sony's not going to be as nice as Microsoft. They're not always going to be like, oh yeah, this shit will just stay multi-platform forever. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Sony's a little more aggressive about our games or our games everyone else can fuck off. So what happens when Sony buys Square Enix's and it says no more JRPGs for the Xbox? What about when Sony buys EA and says, oh, that new Mass Effect game? Yeah, it's not coming to Xbox. Fuck you. That could happen. And then that when that happens, it's not a great day to be an Xbox gamer. You're not getting great value on your Xbox because you might be like, dude, I've been playing Mass Effect since it was an Xbox exclusive back in 2007, and now I just can't play Mass Effect Andromeda 2, the sequel to everyone's favorite Mass Effect game? That fucking sucks. You might be saying that one day, because Activ Microsoft buying buying Bethesda and buying Activision and Embracer Group buying all these companies and Tencent buying all these companies and all this shit happening, all this consolidation is going to force the hands of others. It's going to force Sony to buy more. It might even force Nintendo to have to do something. I don't know. But the point is, even though in this instant it might be great for Xbox gamers today, it might not always be that way. And I know it's like, well, let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's worry about today. Cool. I get it. Totally valid response. But man, it's this arms race is ramping up fast and we're going to see a lot more shit happen this year. And so I'm just saying today, you know, it's here we are February 1st. It's early in the year. Might not be seeing the same tune come November when when fucking Tencent owns 
uh, Nintendo and Mario has a fucking live action role playing a live action uh, Netflix series where he where he's like I I am in love with Ryan Reynolds and the Xbox is dumb and and we're all like wow I can't believe that's not on Game Pass because for some reason this is where my brain went it's just a fucking terrible example of exclusivity I just don't even like just absolutely turn off the podcast right now but anyway. Mr. Miggy is going to round us out on this discussion and say, so Mr. Jesse, I wanted to do a comment about Activision and how it may relate to the metaverse since Microsoft missed out on turning MSN Messenger into a social media platform. Let me just stop right there. I love I love some of you guys so much for the, the weird, nerdy Microsoft references sometimes. Uh, but instead, I came here to say, uh, you're tempting me to open a New York-style bagel shop in Florida. Mr. Miggy, come on down to Florida. It's sunny as fuck. We don't get winter. Disney World's awesome. I don't listen to what the locals say. They're all jaded assholes. Open up that bagel shop. Come be my buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll do we'll do Epcot together, and and, and it'll be good good old time, Mister Miggy. I love it. Do it. Come on, make it happen. All right, right. Let's end our comments with an unrelated comment that just says at minute forty seven second seven, Jesse transforms into Donald Trump voice. All right, I have officially deleted this episode off my YouTube channel, and I'm canceling Xbox on. All right, that's going to do for all of our comments this week, guys. Shoutouts, comments, whatnot. We've wrapped them up. Remember, for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Seriously, fucking leave a comment and rate the show five stars. I know where you live. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing this week. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. Now, you would think, you know, my, my brother was just in town visiting. Maybe I, Maybe we had some fun dining experiences. I don't really have a whole lot to say about the what I've been eating. I, I honestly, I'm just kind of keeping it simple. Uh, so I will say, and I think I've had this on the show before, certainly in the early episodes. I want to give a little special shout out to the Chicken Guy. It's not the Chicken Guy. It's actually just called Chicken Guy. So let me stop being extra. Chicken Guy. It is a fast food chicken restaurant uh, owned not owned by uh, the Guy Fieri, the celebrity chef with the spiky hair that looks like he's a reject member of Smash Mouth. And, uh, you know, I, I fucking love Chicken Guy. We have one here at Disney Springs at the Walt Disney World Resort, but it is not exclusive to Disney. I think they first started popping up in New York City. I know we have a couple of them here in Florida now. I think they're starting to pop up in certain cities around America. So I don't know how many locations they have and where all they're at, but I, I gotta give a shout out to the Chicken Guy because I fucking love this place. This is um, it's not the greatest chicken you'll ever have, but it is definitely above average. I'd say well above average. The breading is great. The crispy factor is so good. And they and they tenderize those chicken tenders really well to where they're like kind of on the thinner side, but they maintain a lot of their juicy goodness. Uh, the breading is just phenomenal. And then their whole gimmick is the sauces. They have a billion fucking sauces you can choose from. And every time you order chicken, whether you get a sandwich or tenders or what have you, you get to pick a couple of sauces to go with it. And so, you know, I tried that signature donkey sauce with the, the garlic mayo-y, lemony thing, or you get like some sriracha ranch dressing or some shit like that, you have yourself a grand old time because you dip these chicken tenders into these various sauces and you go, wow, I can't believe thanks to 21st century technology that we're able to go to a fast food establishment where, for where, where less, less than $10 can get you amazing chicken tenders with an assortment of 30 different sauces. And I just gotta say, if you haven't had Chicken Guy and you live in a place where you have any remote access to it, or if you're ever on a vacation to New York City or to Orlando, Florida, and, and and you come across a chicken guy, don't be a bitch. Eat the chicken guy. It's good shit. Shout out to Guy Fieri. I unironically like that guy. I don't care if it's if he's uh, if he's seen as kind of a meme. But uh, yeah, that's that's it for the eating factor, guys. Good shit. I, I literally just had some, brought some home with me. 
uh, right before I record the podcast, ate my last few tenders, and I'm feeling good. I feel I feel like I am ready to take on the world because of these chicken tenders. So now, what I've been playing, it may come as a shock, but guys, I finally made my way back around after taking a big break. Made my way back around to Halo Infinite. I felt bad, you know. Obviously, this is my most anticipated game for many years, and then it came out. I loved the campaign. I played it real fast. Went through it. Played a bunch of multiplayer when it first came out, and obviously during those betas, but. Something about the multiplayer just turned me off with the, the, the final release. It's just like there's not enough content, it's a little too sweaty, waiting for some more shit to kind of drop and get worked out before I come back to it. I gotta be honest, going back this week and playing more Halo Infinite, I think this game is still in a state where it just needs a lot more content and a lot more balancing and fixes and things there and here and whatnot. But I, uh, I had a decent time with it. I worked on that cyberpunk whatever event they were doing, trying to grind out some of those event items. I can't believe I'm like barely level 40 on the battle pass. I feel like I've, I've gotten nowhere in this game. Like I, I, I'm like a Halo wannabe fan, but I, I just gotta be honest. Like I think I'm gonna put it back down again. I had some decent fun with it this week, but like, dude, call me when there's some more maps and when the progression system's a little more figured out. And, and for the love of God, like wh- why does this game feel so sweaty? I feel like I just can't ca- play this game as casually as I used to play previous Halo games, and I know it sounds almost ironic because I'm such a Halo 5 lover, and people's complaint about Halo 5 was that it was a little too competitive, but I'll be honest, I, I find Halo Infinite is a little more competitive, uh, for me at least, than Halo 5 was, and I always chalk it up to maybe it's because you can't disable crossplay, so I have to play with these freaky PC people, or maybe it's because it being free-to-play that it just invites a a, a lot of a player base that otherwise wouldn't have got in on this game. I don't know what it is, but man, oh man, this game... I just feel like it's not the same player base I'm used to engaging with on Halo, and I just can't keep up with these with these kids. Maybe, I mean, I, I'm not that great or anything, but man, I just can't keep up with these guys. So there's that. Um, the other game I, I started on, and I, I really want to get back to, but I've been busy the past few days, and I'm excited to get back to, is called The Gunk. Now, you guys might remember this game came out about a month ago. It is a... I don't know if this is an exclusive or a timed exclusive, but The Gunk is an uh, independent game from Image and Form, you know, small publisher, small publisher, uh, Thunderful Publishing uh, put out the game. I, I really don't know anything about either of these teams, to be quite honest with you, other than um, Image and Form is responsible for the SteamWorld series, the SteamWorld Dig, SteamWorld Heist, which are really beloved games um, that really got their footing on, like, the Nintendo 3DS back in the day. Um, so I was really familiar with those games back in my, like, late Nintendo fanboy era days. Um, but honestly, I never played either of them, so I don't have any experience with any of these guys' previous titles, but I do know of them in that in that sense. The Gunk is nothing like those games. It's a huge departure. It's a 3D, uh, kind of platformy, slightly light puzzly action game, adventure game, and I absolutely love this game. It's It, it just gets straight into the action, straight to the point, and it's just a really casual, chill action-adventure game that it doesn't take too much brain power to play. It doesn't take too much engagement or involvement, um, but it's, it's nice to just kind of like chill out and zone out and play this game and have fun. It's a little it's a little straightforward. It's pretty linear, but uh, I, I'm just enjoying it. It's really satisfying to interact with all like the gunk matter that you encounter in the game and just kind of suck it all up and 
to kind of just figure out these really easy puzzles and just like, oh, yeah, I got to move this over here and shoot that over there and jump on this platform and get across there. And it's uh, there's not much to it. The characters are just kind of I, I have no no input on the story or the characters. It, tell, it seems like it's obviously trying to tell some kind of environmental story about pollution or whatever. It thinly veiled. So that seems simple enough. I haven't really gotten into the game enough to really judge anything about the storytelling or the characters, but I know I I just think this is a really fun game to kind of just chill out and play along with. And I know not a lot of people have talked about it or played it, but those who have seem to like it quite a bit. You know, it's nothing groundbreaking, but this is a for now Xbox exclusive game. It's in Game Pass, and I highly recommend you play it. It's about four hours apparently. Uh, and I I don't know if if you're someone who's even mildly interested in. 3D platformers or adventure, you know, 3D action adventure games. I think this is definitely something worth taking a look at over a weekend or so. I'll have more to say on it next week. I just really haven't gotten too into it yet. But I'll say the 30, 45 minutes I've spent with it so far have been enough that I know this is definitely a game I want to stick with and I, I want to see through to completion, especially because it's so short. And and I'm I'm excited to play it. It's 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 scratching an itch. It's something that's up my alley. It's my kind of game and. Looking forward to more of it. So that's the gunk. Honestly, that's really all I've been playing this week because I have been a little strapped for time. Do plan on getting back to the gunk this weekend and then maybe chipping away at some of my backlog. I got to play some Sonic Unleashed for a video I'm working on. But you guys, we talked about what I'm eating. We talked about what I'm playing. Let's stop putting off the inevitable, guys. Sony bought Bungie. So now it is time that we jump into the news. All right. So enough teasing aside. Let's jump into the big news about Sony and... Bungie, we'll just start reading from VGC and then we'll discuss after that, okay? Sony Interactive Entertainment is set to acquire Destiny and Halo Studio Bungie in a deal worth $3.6 billion, it is announced. However, after completion of the deal, Bungie will be an independent subsidiary of PlayStation Firm and remain a multi-platform studio, it's claimed. Currently, the studio is working on new content for Destiny 2 as well as a new IP. In a statement, Bungie said that cross-platform support for Destiny 2 would continue and, conf- and confirm that its future games will not be PlayStation exclusive. An FAQ published on Monday covered whether future games in development at Bungie will now become PlayStation exclusives. No, the answer began. We want worlds we are creating to extend anywhere people play games. We will continue to be self-published, creatively independent, and we will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. Bungie also said it's committed to Destiny 2 as a multi-platform game with full cross-play remaining unchanged. It added, Bungie retains full creative independence for our games and our community. Our plans for Light and Dark Saga are unchanged all the way through the final shape in 2024, which is Destiny 2's most recently announced last piece of DLC. SIE president and CEO Jim Ryan said that the decision to acquire Bungie was motivated by his strategy to, quote, expand the reach of PlayStation to a much wider audience and to evolve the gaming experience that they have built. Bungie has created two worlds, two of gaming's most iconic franchises, Halo and Destiny, and has a deep expertise in bringing incredible immersive experiences to great scale to the community through games and to evolve and develop over time. And has a hugely impressive roadmap for future content he said. Also, Bungie's successful track record in in multi-format publishing in live games services will assist us in realizing our ambitions to take PlayStation beyond the consoles and to increase our potential audience. They will remain independent and multi-platform, will enjoy creative freedom and their track record in being in developing massively successful franchises in the sci-fi shooting genre will be highly complementary to SIE's own IP portfolio. This is a strategic step towards continuing to evolve the gaming experience that we built. 
Bungie's expertise in devel developing a world-class service approach for long community engagement is extremely compelling and will support the development of several future live service titles for PlayStation Studios. Equally, we see this exceptional skills that PlayStation Studios possesses offer the potential to enhance Bungie's existing and future IP portfolio. Herman Holst, head of PlayStation Studios, said that Bungie's technical expertise and experience building communities would be shared among SIE's other developers. Quote, over the past year, we have expanded to a total of 17 studios across the globe. New additions will help us extend our reach of IP, develop exciting new games, and further leverage the technical capabilities of PS5 through the knowledge, sharing, and collaboration. Bungie's technical expertise, however, coupled with their track record of building highly engaging communities, make them a natural fit for collaboration with PlayStation. We're excited about plans, and we're excited to share skills and expertise, and to unlock potential in having a brilliant minds of Bungie under the PlayStation roof. In its own statement, Bungie claimed that joining PlayStation would help it become a global multimedia entertainment company. Recently, Sony has been actively transitioning its games franchises into Hollywood movies. Both Bungie and SIE believe that the worlds are only the beginning of our IP and, will, and what they will become, said CEO Pete Parsons of Sony. Our digital universe have immense potential and SIE's support, we will propel Bungie into becoming a global multimedia entertainment company dedicated to delivering in our own creative visions. The deal marks the second time Bungie's been acquired by a platform holder. At Microsoft, the studio recent, the studio created the blockbuster Halo franchise before splitting and becoming a private company in 2007. Quote, We intend to build upon our growth experience and ambitions in the games as a service space to complement and continued strength in the narrative-led titles that PlayStation fans know and love, said Ryan at this time of publish. Commenting on the acquisition, Nico uh, Partners analyst Daniel Ahmed uh, explained why Sony targeted Bungie to help expand its live service offering, saying, quote, Sony's often talked about free-to-play games as a service, multiplayer experiences, blah, 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 and the need to grow that for PlayStation. Bungie previously announced that it has plans to bring at least one new IP to market before 2025. So that's a lot of context, a lot of information. I thought I'd put in as much as possible because, hey, this is an Xbox podcast. After all, it is fair to assume that a large portion of the audience is probably not that tuned in on all the specifics and nuances of PlayStation and that ecosystem because if you are a Xbox-centric gamer, you're probably not paying too much attention to non-Xbox stuff, maybe possibly. So hopefully that provides you some more context, but let's jump into the meat and the bones of this because even though this is a huge deal, huge news, huge announcement, I don't have as much to say about this as Activision and Bethesda. And partially that is because I think we've had so much of the conversation about the consolidation of the games market in the games industry and what this means and where this is headed that I think some of this conversation has already been laid and we kind of already have a temperature on where people feel on this and what this means for the future and, and that kind of thing. So let's try to talk about the specific nuances for what this means for PlayStation, what this means for Bungie, and how this affects Xbox, of course. Because remember, we're Xbox gamers. We're not PlayStation gamers. We're not a bunch of fucking losers running around with robot dinosaurs like a goddamn cavewoman. No, we're sophisticated gamers. We exist in the Halo universe where it is very sci-fi, very techy. We have high-fidelity high equipment and weaponry, and we can fly pelicans, and we have data pads, and also, not to mention, we don't ever get a lot of word about what kind of food they eat in the Halo universe, so I'm, I'm assuming they mostly just eat McDonald's. But the point I'm trying to make here, obviously this is huge because Bungie, big Xbox studio, obviously the fact that Xbox exists today and is where it is today is because Bungie created Halo. Halo was an Xbox game and that built the brand and, and solidified it and legitimized it. So huge move. I think for Xbox in particular, the biggest part of this news is just symbolically what this means because 
Obviously, when Bungie and Xbox split in 2007, it was kind of a huge deal, and then they went independent for a while, and then working with Activision through those times, it was like, okay, man, I mean, they're multi-platform, and they'll still continue to put games on Xbox, but then it got weird because Destiny had all of its marketing partnerships with Sony and PlayStation, and PlayStation was getting exclusive content, and that was fucking weird to see PlayStation getting favoritism on Bungie's game, and then they went independent again. It's like, okay, cool. Cool. They're going to stay independent. The NetEase invested in them a little bit. So I was like, okay, they definitely want to be independent. You know, they're getting some investment money from other groups. They're not really looking to be acquired right now. And then, boom, Sony buys them. It's like, what the fuck? So the, the Crash Bandicoot guys are making the, the, the Halo guys. And the, the guys who own the Halo guys are now owning the IP for the Crash Bandicoot guys. But they're probably not going to make a Crash Bandicoot game. Like, what the fuck is happening here, right? Everything's messed up. Well, the good things, and, and, and as clearly stated in this story and in, in the announcements, PlayStation is not looking to take Destiny away from Xbox. They're not looking to take Bungie away from other platforms. And I fully believe this. I think the best way to look at this is Bungie is for Sony what Minecraft is for Xbox. This is a team that is well-established, makes a game that is well-established, is way too community-based, way too platform-based, and you cannot remove it from platforms where it exists, no matter how much some of those platforms may be your competitors. You just can't get rid of Bungie from Xbox. It would be detrimental and antithetical to what their whole ambition and output is as a studio. So obviously, you got nothing. If you are a Destiny fan, I think you have nothing to worry about in terms of will I lose access to Destiny? No. Easy answer, no. Now, I don't know. PlayStation likes to pat themselves on the back. Is it possible to give themselves some upper hand advantage, some some special content or timed exclusivity? Maybe. I, I don't really think they need to do that, but they, they could. It's possible. But, you know, as far as Destiny and having access to Bungie's content, you're, you're safe if you're on Xbox. So there's the good news, right? This is, as the story notes, a lot more about Sony's inadequacies when it comes to multiplayer games and to games as a service type games. Anyone who follows PlayStation in any capacity knows that this has kind of been a big talking point for PlayStation in recent years is the fact that, yeah, I mean, obviously they're one of the most powerful brands in gaming. People really respect them. People love their games. They make awesome story-driven third-person action games. Great. PlayStation kind of sucks when it comes to multiplayer games. They suck when it comes to first-person shooters. They suck when it comes to multiplayer censored content. They suck when it comes to games as a service. They don't really have that stuff. And obviously, when it comes to games as a service content, that's generally more third-party focused. But hell, even Xbox has some of that. And Xbox definitely reigns supreme when it comes to multiplayer content. In fact, say what you want about Nintendo's got the better games, PlayStation's got the better games. I think there's no denying when it comes to multiplayer content. Of the big three, Xbox is by far the platform to be on. You got shooters out the ass. You got multiplayer games out the ass. You got games of service. You know, we got fucking Sea of Thieves, Grounded, Minecraft, Halo, Gears of War, all this shit. Like, Xbox is the platform for multiplayer games. Forza, like, this is, if you're looking for games to play with friends and build community for, as far as first party content goes, Xbox is your box. And that makes sense because Xbox has always been also the best online service and platform in that regard but that is a huge huge uh, blind spot for playstation a huge inadequacy and, and i argue it's something that's only gotten worse for them because they they were actually making strides and efforts in the ps3 generation to try and address that and fix that and it just never happened you know no no offense to Killzone or, or resistance especially resistance because i really liked that game series but those games just never took off and became the halo competitors and things like that that playstation wanted but they used to try they had socom they had mag they had all these attempts to have a battlefield to have a call of duty to have a halo it just it never really happened for them but 
in PlayStation 4's generation, they just straight up gave up on it. They're like, fuck it, we can't do it. It's not going to happen for us. Here's a Spider-Man game. Here's a God of War game. Here's Horizon Zero Dawn. Here's Days Gone. Here's Last of Us Part Two. Here's Uncharted 4. They're all kind of the same fucking game in a sense, but they're all really good games, so fuck you, you'll buy them anyway. Blah. And that was the PS4. I think now they're like, okay, PS5's story is we're going to continue what worked for us in PS4's generation, but we got to be more competitive in these other spaces because the industry is evolving and changing, and they need that games-as-a-service content. They need that core multiplayer content that's like fuck yeah playstation great it's got all those awesome games that you play one time for 17 hours and never touch again but it also got them sexy ass multiplayer games that you're looking for and so i think that's what this is about it's not about taking destiny away from xbox it's about we need to own a team an ip a franchise that is a multiplayer game that is a games as a service game that we can take that team and learn from them and help our teams with becoming studios that can make games as a service type games, multiplayer games, games with community, strong community aspects. That's what this is all about. I, I don't think, and I, I believe it. Obviously the story alludes to it and say, or says it in some cases, I believe it. I don't, I don't think there's any foul play here. I, I think PlayStation's being really deliberately honest and upfront and candid about exactly what their intentions are here, which is that we want really big IP that builds really big communities and gives us lots of money from multiplayer content. That's what we need. Also, we're seeing them try to synergize a lot with their fucking movie studio and all this stuff, making these stupid Uncharted movies that look terrible, and this Last of Us show that seems promising. They, they want to have something like Destiny. It's like, hey, can we own Destiny and make like a fucking Star Wars sci-fi thing and make money off that? Is that could that be lucrative for us? You know, de anytime Bungie makes a game, it ends up being something that people fucking fall in love with. Look at Halo. Look at Destiny. Can we have them make a new IP? that gives us an excuse to take that beloved IP over to HBO over to over to the to the movie theater and go hey look at this watch this thing that Bungie did now it's a movie and Dwayne Johnson is almost definitely in it for some reason and yeah it, it can happen and that's what they're after and I completely see that. I think it's transparent I think it's honest I think they're being straightforward there's no sneakiness here a lot of people are saying well this is a knee-jerk reaction to the Activision acquisition no it's not uh, most of these things take so long to happen obviously you know insiders are saying it's been at least six months in the making this deal i believe that now it is possible that this is in some way a knee-jerk reaction or not necessarily knee-jerk reaction but somewhat inspired by things like bethesda's acquisition or codemasters from from ea or you know all the shit tencent's buying and embracer groups buying like it could be inspired by all those things happening and playstation starting to feel the pressure and say we've acquired the studios we have long relationships and have worked with we gotta get a little creative what do we need we need this fucking multiplayer content where are we gonna get it let's let's get it from the guys that that, that make the good shit you know they have a relationship with bungie they've been working with them through the early to mid playstation 4 generation with destiny 1 destiny 2 back when they were activision published games they have that relationship so there's some impetus there they they know what Bungie and and what Destiny was able to do for PlayStation 4, how in, in the PlayStation 4 uh, generation, despite the fact that that console was the best-selling console of that generation, its multiplayer and games as a service and kind of community-focused game support was entirely dependent on third parties. They had the marketing deal for Destiny. They had the marketing deal for Call of Duty. So those were the games that, that carried the PS4 on its fucking back. You know, during a generation where the only PlayStation content you were getting is a third-person action game, story-driven game as Spider-Man, a third-person story-action-driven game as Kratos, a third-person story-driven action game as Nathan Drake, etc., 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 because that was the only shit you were getting from Sony. So this is 
filling the portfolio. We hear Phil Spencer talk all the time about, oh, the portfolio. When we look at our portfolio and what we're missing and what we think we need, this and that and the other. He always talked about how Xbox needed some stuff that's kind of like Uncharted. PlayStation, if they're looking at their portfolio, looking at what they need, they need some stuff that's like Xbox. They need a Halo. They need a Sea of Thieves. They need something like that, you know? And I think that's what this is. In terms of how you sell it, where you support it, exactly like Minecraft. You own it, you make a shit ton of money off of it, but you distance it from the PlayStation brand in a way that people know, oh yeah, Bungie, they're owned by PlayStation. But Bungie, we don't think of them the way we think of like Insomniac PlayStation, Naughty Dog PlayStation. We think of them as like, Bungie, oh yeah, those guys are owned by PlayStation, but they make awesome games that are like everywhere, you know? We get those on Xbox, we get those on PC, what have you. So that that's what this is. So is it crazy to think that PlayStation owns owns Bungie? Yeah, in in a just in terms of what that means symbolically, it's crazy to think about. It's crazy news. But what does that mean for us in actuality in terms of what, what this means for our ability to access Bungie's content going forward? It, it doesn't change much for us, actually. So, hey, that's cool. That's really good. And this is... Exactly like to play into Dead Captain James's comment earlier today and to my weariness about the consolidation of the market. It's like we got off easy this time. Like as an Xbox gamer, I'm seeing Sony purchase Bungie, one of my all-time favorite developers who make two of my all-time favorite games because I love Halo to death and I love Destiny a lot. Like I, I'm I'm sighing with relief right now saying, thank God I can still play Destiny on my Xbox. Thank God whatever new IP we, they've been working on, which a lot of people speculate is like some kind of like hero shooter or competitive FPS game. Thank God that's something I'm going to have access to on my Xbox because it would fucking suck if that game is announced and they say PlayStation only and now I got to go buy a PS5 because I love Bungie so much. That sucks. That would suck for me as an Xbox gamer. So this is, I love it. There's a little bit of a mirror flip, like a situational flip opportunity for us to look at and go, yeah, guys, it's cool. Green team win, green team awesome. But like, think about what Blizzard being part of Xbox now means for PlayStation gamers who love Diablo. Think about what Starfield being console exclusive to Xbox means for people who really fucking love Bethesda games and are PlayStation gamers. That sucks. We're getting off easy here, but this is not the last time we're going to see this. It's not the last time we're going to see it from, happen from Sony, and they're not always going to have this intention of cross-corporation synergy between their movie studio and their game studios and this desire to get into games as a service and make money off platform games and communities and, and multiplayer content. We're going to see them at some point be like, hey, we're buying this company because we want their games to be exclusive to PlayStation, so it gives us an upper hand advantage and makes us more competitive with Game Pass. We're going to see that happen. That shit's going to happen. This isn't that acquisition, thank God, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, it can be any day now we get the announcement. Maybe EA and Codemat or EA and uh, Take Two merge together. Maybe someone buys EA or something. We saw EA talk about this this past week in the news how they're open minded to to their own set of acquisitions and mergers. Like that that's something to pay attention to, man. So I actually wish I had more to say because as, as a huge Bungie fan, uh, uh, you know, this is a huge story, but I, do, I don't really think there's that much to it. I think this is pretty cut and dry. Like we're going to continue to get Bungie content all as well, but now they are under the ownership of PlayStation and, and PlayStation is looking to treat them the way Xbox is going to treat Activision, the way Xbox is going to treat Bethesda. They kind of operate and act they they're independent of us like we own them but uh we're just gonna kind of let them fuck off and do their thing and we're gonna learn from them and maybe they can learn from us but for the most part you do your thing just make good shit so we can make money off you bye so does this change some of bungie's future properties and does this change maybe some content we might get from destiny down the road yeah maybe but hey as an xbox gamer at least i still get to play uh, destiny right that's so that's that's all that matters
So I, I'm curious to see what you guys think about this because I, I really wish I had like more like whoa earth shattering news. But this this is um this should be a little sh let this serve if anything as a shock to the system for Xbox fans who are championing and celebrating the consolidation of the industry in the removing of content from other platforms so xbox can have it exclusively on game pass let this be a little bit of a shock to the system or a wake-up call to say hey the shoe goes on the other foot it goes both ways sometimes you're not guaranteed to always you know come out ahead as the as the winning team the winning sports team green beat blue oh we're so great awesome fucking love this sports game yay anyway next up let's talk about certain affinity Windows Central reports an exclusive piece that got this scoop. Microsoft is working on a veritable mountain of content with both internal and external partners. Microsoft acquired ZeniMax, as we all know. They're working on getting Activision Blizzard. Things go nuts over there with Game Pass. But in addition to internal games, Microsoft is also working on a range of third-party titles, like Project Dragon from IO Interactive, which we've been hearing about, Dusk Falls from Interior Night, and Contraband from Avalanche, which was announced last year at E3. Thanks to the latest episode of the Jeff Grubb Grub Snack Show, we now have unearthed yet another game. So thank you, Jeff Grubb. Thank you, Windows Central. Thank you, Jesus fucking Christ. Because according to Windows Central, they can confirm via their own separate sources that the game noted in this podcast is indeed real. And is currently codenamed Project Suerte. Suerte is reportedly a Monster Hunter-inspired game, implying big monster battles with multiplayer gameplay. The game is developed by Certain Affinity, who is primarily known as a support studio on games like Halo and Call of Duty. They do a lot of multiplayer content support work. According to the informative that Windows Central has been reaching out with over the past few months, Project Suerte has been in development since the summer of 2020 and is likely slated for a 2023 or 24 release date, so one or two years from now. Although may come a bit sooner or later depending on the dynamicism and variables that often come with game development and, you know, shit with COVID and work from home, whatever. Certain Affinity has long been a close partner of Microsoft working on various titles uh, like Halo 2 through the Master Chief Collection all the way to Halo Infinite. Windows Central has received separate hints that Certain Affinity may be working on a new game mode for Halo Infinite as well, which could take on the popular Battle Royale formula or something completely entirely new. So, hey, maybe Certain Affinity is making a BR for Halo Infinite or some big team battle or so some new innovative multiplayer mode. But either way, it seems that Microsoft intends to extend their friendship with Certain Affinity by greenlighting a new IP, which, which the team has been testing and hiring for some time, according to LinkedIn profiles and job listings on their own website. Given the development timelines, it could be a while before we see this game formally revealed, but as a fan of Monster Hunter, formally revealed, but uh, hey, I think this is a great idea. This is a great partnership. Certain Affinity team lead guy, Max Hoberman over there at uh, Certain Affinity, been long in bed with Xbox for many, many, many years, dating all the way back to Halo 2. They usually do DLC map content. They do multiplayer game support. And they've worked on pretty much every Halo at this point. They've worked on lots and lots of Call of Duty games, as noted in the story as well. And so, obviously, multiplayer is their bread and butter. The weird thing here is, like, the game, the game they would be working on isn't something in the vein of, like, a Halo or, or a Call of Duty. It'd be in the vein of, like, a Monster Hunter. So, that is... That's interesting. A multiplayer game with big monster battles. Obviously, I think they could do this. They know multiplayer. They know level design. They know arena design, things like that. So I'm certain they can come up with something cool here, but this is in some ways so in their wheelhouse, but also so different from anything they've done before that I would absolutely love to see their take on this kind of game while also just seeing them make a game rather than being a support team that helps games come to fruition. See them make something from scratch that's all their own, that they get to put their stamp on and put out into the world and be like, hey guys, this is 
our multiplayer game. I love this. This is the perfect example of a team Xbox has a long-standing relationship with, a team that makes sense with the Xbox brand, and this is like a very PlayStation-centric thing. This is what PlayStation would do is work with a team like this for a long time in a support role, make a game or two with them exclusive for their console, and then, hey, if all ends up well maybe they offer to buy them this is the kind see i'm not talking about activision like when i'm thinking about like a team that makes sense for xbox certain affinity is a team that makes sense for xbox you know maybe make this game see if it sells well see if it does well see if people like it if it does well maybe say hey let's let's put a ring on it we've been together for a long time you guys make halo go very boom 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 and hey now we're buying call of duty and you guys work on that shit too so why don't, why don't we make it make it happen baby this is the kind of acquisition that would make sense. But we're not talking about acquisitions. We're talking about a game being made. I, I love that Xbox has a lot of these as well. They're not trying to just fucking buy everyone. Thankfully, there are some teams they're just trying to work with and make some, you know, cool games with. Although, I'd rather them buy these guys than, than Activision. Anyway, if this game is to be real, and I, I believe it's real, the only, you know, I... I trust if Windows Central says their sources trust it and Grub, Jeff Grubb says his sources trust it, I, I believe it's real. These are highly trustworthy sources. So it's really just more a matter of, oh, when are we going to see this game come to fruition? You know, when are we going to see it or rather announced? You know, if it's supposed to be out in one to two years, there's a decent chance we get a reveal for it this summer. You know, whatever kind of E3 replacement type show we get this summer, I think that this game would be a perfect shoe-in for an announcement. So we won't have to wait too long to hear more on it, is my guess, if, if they are able to hit the kind of target date they're looking for. But it seems like they have a lot more development and hiring to do, so who knows how far along this project really truly is. So we'll just have to wait and see. Personally, I, I love this idea. I think this offers, you know, again, we're just talking about how Microsoft, Xbox, a very multiplayer-centric, community-centric gaming brand. Obviously, they have no issue with the uh, first-person shooters and things of that nature, the games like that. But a monster hunting game, I feel like that is a little more unique. Although, you know, they say something in the vein of Monster Hunter. So I'm thinking of swords and shields and bows and arrows and staffs and, like, third-person action fighting monsters. But who's to say this isn't a first-person game where you fight monsters and maybe you even use guns it doesn't necessarily have to be melee weapons i don't know you can still make something kind of monster hunter related but make it first person and make it guns instead of melee weapons like that'd be fucking amazing by the way if you made a monster hunter game that had like a crazy art style where dude like i don't now i'm now i'm just kind of blue skying here but like dude take take the formula of monster hunter but make it first person Give me guns instead of melee weapons and make it crazy shit like kaiju shit. Like make it like fighting in Tokyo, like fighting like Godzilla in Tokyo with like RPGs and assault rifles and shit like that and turrets and like fucking add some parkour mechanics. Like make the arena like the battlefield like downtown Tokyo and you can like scale walls and get tanks and fucking flying vehicles and attack Godzilla or Mothman or some kind of bullshit like that. Make that a fucking game, but like give it a Monster Hunter formula or something close to it. That sounds like a sexy fucking game. Now, the, uh, maybe they mean something a little more traditional. Maybe this is a third-person, melee, combat-focused, arena, monster kind of game. Maybe even more with a Monster Hunter-type art style. I don't know. They're probably looking at Monster Hunter World and what a massive success that ended up being on PS4 and Xbox One, despite the fact that that game is usually very mobile-centric, very Japanese-centric, very Nintendo-centric. And they're probably saying, well, fuck, we can do a game like that. We could have something like that exclusive to our console, and it might be a really big seller. So, you know, especially if, if, if PlayStation's rumored to buy Capcom, which means they would get Monster Hunter, you know, this might be, it might fill a, a nice little void or a niche for Xbox. Might be a good little first party 
product for them. So there are lots of ways to look at this, but man, I, I'm, I just got really excited based on my blue sky idea. That's definitely not happening. I want to fucking like first person guns a blazing, running around Tokyo fighting Kaiju a la monster hunter style. Make this game happen, baby. I'm all for it. But yeah, that's, that's all I have to say on this story. Let me know what you guys think about that or don't, you don't have to comment. No one's making you comment. No gun to your head, baby boy. We save them bullets for the monsters. All right. Next up, Speaking of Sony, because apparently this is a PlayStation podcast now, VGC reports that Sony Interactive Entertainment have announced MLB The Show 2022. Set for release on April 5th, 2022, the game will be available on Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Xbox S, Series S. But because, of course, it's a PlayStation game, it's also going to be on PS4, PS5, Nintendo Switch for the first time. What? So this will be the first time this series makes its way to Nintendo Switch, which will be very curious to see because it's a very... Uh, technically advanced game running on a really fucking potato machine and also the second time the game has made its way to xbox systems now last year the whole crazy thing was not only is xbox getting mlb the show but they got that fucking thing on game pass oh my god one of the biggest fu slam dunk moments in xbox history really this year they're continuing the trend the game will be coming to game pass on day one again Thank you, MLB, for wanting to work with Xbox and for wanting to make this game come to Xbox because it is such a goddamn good baseball game and we love having it on not PlayStation for once. Sony has said the decision to put the internally developed baseball series on Game Pass was made by license holder MLB, of course, so now we have even Sony admitting why it's happening. And ahead of the release of MLB The Show 21, a PlayStation representative told Inverse... That as part of the goal for this year's game, MLB decided to bring the franchise to more players and more baseball fans. So no big surprise there. <clears throat> In fact, I don't even really have too much to add to this story other than to just say, hey, there it is. It's on Game Pass again. So now we're kind of setting the stage that this just may be an indefinite Game Pass release. And I, I just want to say how important that is, right? Because... Last year, MLB The Show ended up selling quite well on PlayStation. Actually, it sold insanely well on PlayStation, despite the fact that you could have just got it on Game Pass, which isn't surprising. You know, MLB The Show's fan base has obviously been trained to be PlayStation gamers over the years because that's the only platform it's been available on. But if we if we see this trend continue where every year MLB The Show comes to Xbox and PlayStation, but on Xbox, it's on Game Pass... And this is all starting during a time where we're getting into a new console generation where people are having to start making the decision as soon as they can find them, you know, because availability. But do I get a PS5 and stick with PlayStation or do I jump to Xbox and just fucking get Game Pass? Because, you know, if you're one of those MLB The Show fans, MLB The Show is like Call of Duty. It's like Madden. It's one of those games where, like, there are people in this world who aren't necessarily gamers, but they buy PlayStation and they buy MLB The Show and that is their one game is the game they play. That is a big audience, and MLB The Show is a massively successful game. Does this set the stage where possibly you have that kind of player base now looking and going, well, I had the PS3 because I love MLB The Show, then I had the PS4 because I love MLB The Show, and now it's time to upgrade, and I'm, I'm starting to think, man, maybe I'll just go get one of those Xbox Series S's. They're 300 bucks, and I can get a Game Pass subscription. I can just play MLB The Show on that thing for a lot cheaper. And I just have that other subscription. I just get the game, and it comes with all this other shit. And like, is that what I want to go with, or do I want to spend 500 on a PS5 and you know $60 every year on MLB the show instead of just having included my subscription and now there's this value proposition and now Xbox is kind of in this position where they're really making Sony eat shit because they're like we are serving your own funded and, and developed product 
to our fan base and leveraging it to make it look more appetizing and more attractive to your consumer base than it looks on your platform because your platform is more expensive. Your platform only has one option to play the game and it's to buy it. Our platform has a way cheaper option to get your foot in the door with the Series S. You can buy it if you prefer it that way, but you can also just get our fucking subscription service, which starts at $1 a month, and just get this bitch included, and it looks like it's just going to be coming into this service every fucking year. That's an insanely, insanely big value proposition. And so last, you know, two years ago, it was crazy because we learned this is going to be coming to Nintendo for the first or Nintendo and Xbox for the first time. Then last year it got super fucking crazy because it's not only coming to Xbox, it's coming to Game Pass. And then this year it's crazy because now we're starting to see how this can potentially play out in a, in a time and in a world where a lot of these MLB The Show players are going to start saying time to upgrade to that new console. And they're going to look around and they're going to say... Money aside, I can't even get my fucking hands on a PlayStation 5. They don't exist. But damn, every time I go to Target, every time I go to Walmart, every time I go to Best Buy, I see that Series S on store shelves. $1 a month, I can play MLB The Show on a brand new next-gen console. How do you say no to that, baby boy? So I I love watching this story continue to unfold because this is... Dude, if you're Sony, you got to be like, what the actual fuck? But at the same time, if you're Sony, you're like, yeah, whatever, we're making a ton of money off of it. You know, like, fuck it. Bringing this game to Nintendo and to Xbox, we're making so much money off this shit. So, man, it's it is a crazy development. What's happening with that game? All right, now let's ra- let's let's move on to our latter half of the news, where we got three more stories left, but nothing as big as what we've already talked about. But some something that you know, something let, let's discuss. Okay, let's get into this. The Halo Paramount Plus TV show. So the trailer for the TV show dropped this past Sunday. And it showed Master Chief, it showed Cortana, it showed Master Chief talking, we got to hear his voice. So the the, the trailer, or the, yeah, the trailer dropped during the halftime of the AFC Championship game on Sunday. That means something to some of you guys. Uh, the trailer revealed, and, and we now know, that the show is premiering on March 24th. So a little less than a... Uh, you know, less than two months from now, we'll be getting this show. So in the trailer, we see the Covenant. We see them atta- attempting to excavate what appears to be the original Halo ring. Uh, we see Pablo Sh- uh, Schreiber, who is who is playing Master Chief. We see him as Chief in action. We hear his voice, which is very, very jarring because we've never heard anyone other than Steve Downs voice Master Chief. So it's kind of fucking weird. And we get to see what's kind of happening. So it, it looks like, and I only watched the trailer the one time because I'm like, I don't fucking care. It looks... I think it looks good. I see people split on this because, of course, we just got to be angry about everything. I think against the odds, the CG, the costume design, the makeup and wardrobe and set design and everything looks very good, very convincing, very, very, very well done. I love it. Um, I think they absolutely nailed a great aesthetic and a great tone. Uh, this looks like Halo. I think hearing Pablo Schreiber, 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 however you say his name, voice Master Chief is incredibly jarring because we've never heard uh, anyone other than Steve Downs do it. But I'm not going to knock the show or knock Pablo for that. That's not really fair, you know, to be like, you were not literally Steve Downs and therefore this show sucks. Like, that's, that's bullshit. That's not fair. So it's like, dude, if you're going to do a live action Halo show, you obviously can't have you know, no offense, old man, Steve Downs playing a fucking Master Chief. It's just not going to happen. So you got to accept that someone else has got to take the role and that the voice is going to be different. That's fine. I, I'm okay with the reinterpretation of the character in some extent and a different voice. It's it's to be expected. It's the only way you can really do this. So I, I get that. Now, the thing I see people most upset about and divide on is the look of Cortana. This one, I'm like, uh, especially like a uh, fucking cry me a river. I, I don't think... 
she looks necessarily great. She looks a lot more human than she does like an AI. So I get to a lot of people who are just like, oh, I don't like Cortana. That's not good at all. No, no way. Now, the, the nice thing about the Cortana AI is that she's a CG character. So they're able to actually have Jen Taylor voice her. So I think, you know, you kind of got an opposite situation here where it's like Master Chief. They nailed the look, but the voice doesn't sound like Master Chief. Cortana, they nailed the voice because they got Jen Taylor, but, but the look isn't really the Cortana we're used to. From my perspective, it's like... Here's the thing, man. Would it have been nice if Master Chief could sound like Steve Downs? No shit. Who wouldn't like that? But again, it's not really realistic. You can't get Steve Downs to play Master Chief in the show. Is it nice to have Cortana sound like Cortana? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's great. But I mean, dude, it's everything that works in a video game doesn't necessarily translate 100% to TV, especially live action. So she looks a little different. They're taking some liberties. I'm okay with it. This show has to have its own style to an extent. And to me, I, I, I don't like being that fanboy that's like, oh, man, I want you to make exactly the thing that I have in my head, exactly the thing that I always known and liked, because then you just become one of those cucky little Star Wars guys that no one likes. I am OK with the fact that obviously to make this this story work for TV, you need to take some liberties with the storytelling. You need to take some liberties with the characters and tell a different version of it. And, and honestly, would it be fun if they tried to do a shot for shot remake of the video games? No. Of course not. So there are going to be new characters. There's going to be new settings. There's going to be new story plots and beats and events and characters are going to be rewritten and reworked in new ways. And that is all fine. What matters to me is that they actually nailed the look and the feel like it doesn't look cheesy and cheap and shitty. It looks pretty high quality, high budget. And uh, I think the tone seems true to Halo. Now, the trailer has a fucking terrible licensed song usage, but obviously that's just the trailer. It's not the show itself. So I won't get hung up over that. But aside from that, like what I saw in that trailer, I'm like, this seems like a fun ride. I will definitely be subscribing to Paramount Plus in March and giving this show a watch and watching along every week with you guys to see, you know, what are they doing with my baby? What are they doing with Halo? Is it working out? Got to be honest, as someone who doesn't necessarily want a Halo TV show, as someone who didn't necessarily ask for this, or I know it's not necessarily for me, this is about bringing Halo to people who don't play video games so we can expand the reach of this property. I get that. As someone who isn't really in the core market for this show, I think it looks pretty decent. I'm I'm interested to give it a try. I'm not shaking my boots about it. I'm not like freaking out about it. I'm like, I can't wait to see this show, but I think it's definitely something I'm going to watch as soon as I can. And I think it's definitely going to be, it looks like it's definitely worth a watch and worth some attention. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't see what all the fuss is about. Yeah, would it be nice if Cortana looked a little more like how we expect her to? Yes, but I'm sure after a couple episodes of the show, if the show is good, we will forgive the design of Cortana and immediately learn to accept it. If the show is good, after a couple episodes, we will immediately forget that it's not Steve Downs voicing the Master Chief and that Pablo is doing a great job acting and if the writers are doing a great job writing him and the director's doing a great job directing him, we won't care that it's not Steve Downs. We'll just get to grow with and learn this version of Master Chief and get to appreciate him for who he is. Hopefully, Pablo can offer a new dimension to this character that we can appreciate that kind of separates him from the Master Chief we love and know from the games because it seems like everyone fucking hates Master Chief these days uh, or is divided on him ever since 343 got a hold of him because they're like, he's too chatty, I don't like it. Or he, he has too much personality, I don't like it. Well, so fuck it. Maybe they'll make Pablo be silent as absolute bullshit so you never have to hear him talk anyway and you can just be like the Master Chief you think you remember from the Bungie days. Who knows? Who gives a shit? Sony owns Bungie now so fuck you, forget about it. Okay, baby boy? So, I don't know. 
uh, not much else to say. Oh, other than I, I will add. Yeah, I forgot it. I forgot what I was going to say. Too bad. I thought it was something important. Our last story of the day before we uh, just go over some Game Pass editions. VGC reports that Quantic Dream's Star Wars Eclipse title is apparently inspired by The Last of Us with a mix of storytelling and gameplay. That's according to a Twitter user who tweeted a screenshot revealed by a trailer for Star Wars Eclipse one week before it was publicly shown. So needless to say, this Twitter user account NGT has a little bit of credibility here. They also claimed that this weekend, the Star Wars game will be an, an open world adventure game that also features some multiplayer, which is being worked on separately by Quantic Dream in Montreal, uh, which is one of their other teams. The Quantic Dream Paris team, the other team, is being said to said to be working on uh, cinematic storytelling and level art. So they're both working on the game, but in different capacities. The user on Twitter also claimed that the development of the project stated that in early 2021, and not all of Quantic Dream's Paris development team is currently working working on the game, but Eclipse seems to be an extremely early uh, game that the story is still being written and that the Montreal team is still working on gameplay prototypes, drawing inspiration from Naughty Dog's The Last of Us. In December, it was confirmed that Eclipse is set in a High Republic era. The game is announced during the Video Game Awards a few months back. This is... I don't have much to say on this one because, judging by reports, this game is so far off from when we're getting to see it and get it that it's just like, I, I, I don't care i had to wait so long to play it that's just like fuck off until we're a few years closer and you can finally show it but i do find it quite interesting that the report is it's apparently very story driven it has multiplayer and it is more of an adventure game like the last of us considering quantic dream makes these almost like slightly more interactive third person like telltale games where it's like player choice and not super super heavy in the gameplay department but super heavy in the interactive decision-making process. So this seems like it's something very unlike what we're used to getting from Quantic Dream, which is interesting and exciting, uh, but also a little bit disappointing because I was kind of looking forward to a Quantic Dream signature style game set in the Star Wars universe, where now it seems like we're getting a third-person action game set in the Star Wars universe, which is fine. I'm sure it'll be good and interesting, but we've seen a few of those before, right? It's not the first time this has been a, th a thing, right? So that's all well and fine. I get The Last of Us is an extremely influential game, probably the most influential game of the past decade, but uh, I, I do kind of wish that we weren't getting something in that vein. Um, however, be curious to see what the hell they mean by multiplayer, especially if it's that kind of game. Because, uh, I don't know, we don't usually see multiplayer in those kinds of games too often. So it sounds like we have a lot to learn about just what this project is. And it's so early in development that it falls under that frustration camp of they announced it way too early. Now we got to talk about it for many, many years to, to come, even though we're probably not going to see it for quite a while. So here's another update on a game we won't actually get to play for many, many years. You may be dead by the time this game comes out. Did you ever think about that? All right, and our final story of the week, this is just a Game Pass update from Xbox Wire. We got a new list of games coming to Game Pass and some games leaving Game Pass, so let's get to it. Coming soon, our first one is Contrast. It's coming to Cloud and Console, and it's coming on February 3rd. So the day you're listening to this show, it is now available. And you may be saying Contrast, Contrast. That sounds somewhat relevant to Xbox. What is that? What, what is that? What am I missing here? Contrast is the first game made by Compulsion, which is one of the recently acquired Xbox game studios uh, during the during the um, Undead Labs Playground Games acquisition initiative foundation moment in E3. What was that? 2018. So this is one of Xbox's new teams, 
We know they're currently working on a new project. We got some information on recently, but we haven't seen them put anything out since being acquired by Xbox. Their most notable game was their only other game. They've only made two games, uh, which is strongly associated with the Xbox One, which is, of course, We Happy Few. Um, so this will be their first game. This is this game is a lot more bare bones, rudimentary, indie. It's from when they were a much smaller team. So I, I've never played this game. I'll be interested to download and just give it a try just to get a feel for it. I'm not a huge fan of We Happy Few. I like a lot of the setup for that game, but once it lets you loose, it's just not my thing. So I'll be interested to see if Contrast maybe is something that speaks to me a little more. I, w- I want to like these guys. I just uh, got to find something from them that speaks to me. So that's a pretty cool get. We're getting that in Game Pass makes sense. They are an Xbox team now after all. The next up, we're also getting Dreamscaper. Cloud console and PC also coming February 3rd. And then finally on February 3rd, we're getting Telling Lies on cloud console and PC as well. Now on February 10th, we're getting Besiege, which is a game preview game on cloud console and PC, uh, as well as, this is one I've been waiting for, Crossfire X coming to cloud or coming to console rather uh, February 10th. I cannot wait for that. It's a day one Game Pass game. The campaign being handled by Remedy. The multiplayer seems interesting. I'm interested to see Small Gates, very popular uh, online FPS free to play Korean shooter game. Seems very interesting, very fun. It's a modern warfare style game. Can't can't wait to dig into that, especially that campaign. So that's with all the news that apparently Dying Light 2 might not be that good of a game. A little disappointing. I might have to skip on that and just wait for Crossfire X and have that be my next big game I play, but oh boy, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to that. And then also on February 10th, we get Edge of Eternity, Cloud Console and PC, available day one Game Pass. Skull the Hero Slayer, available on Cloud Console and PC. The Last Kids on Earth and the Staff of Doom, Cloud Console and PC. And then finally, on February 14th, we get two more games, Arc Ultimate Survival Edition, Cloud Console and PC, and Infernax, Cloud Console and PC, which is available day one on Game Pass. So that's a lot of really promising content coming very soon. And then let's get into the games that are leaving on Game Pass. This is on February 15th, so get them downloaded. Play them now while you can if you want to. Otherwise, you're going to miss them, so don't be a dumb bitch. We got Control, leaving Cloud Console and PC. That is, of course, Remedy's most recent game. So, hey, Crossfire X, you looking forward to some Remedy? Make sure you finish Control first because it's a good game. It's worth playing. Code Vein is leaving Cloud Console and PC. Final Fantasy The Zodiac Age, Console and PC. The Medium, which was available, came out last year. That's crazy to think that's leaving already. Cloud Console and PC. Project Winner, Cloud Console and PC. And The Falconeer will be leaving on February 15th on Cloud, Console, and PC. Could have just said all of them are Cloud Console and PC with the exception of Final Fantasy, but I guess I just had to say that a million times over. Okay, guys, that is it for our news. Now let's round out, start to wind down the podcast with the important enough news. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not necessarily important enough to warrant their own discussions. So our first one here is Ghostwire Tokyo. It will apparently be releasing on March 25th, 2022, according to the PlayStation YouTube channel, which is set to reveal a lot more information about pre-order bonuses and launch details soon, I think tomorrow, actually. We were talking the other week about how apparently this is rumored for a March release, and here we are getting confirmation. So why is this relevant to us? Because, of course, Tango Gameworks, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, this is all Xbox now, so this game will be coming to Xbox probably a year next March or so because it is a time exclusive on PlayStation due to some earlier contractual obligations. Next up, VGC reports that Ubisoft have announced it's closing down its Battle Royale game Hyperscape, which I used to call Hyperspace and no one ever corrected me on. 
And they're closing it, just shutting it down less than two years after it launched because it was a fucking failure. Developed by Ubisoft Montreal, uh, who should have just kept making fucking Starling Battle for Atlas because I love that game. Uh, Hyperscape is a free-to-play, 100-player Battle Royale FPS set in a futuristic urban environment called Neo Arcadia. The game was an open beta in July 2020. However, a year after, they stopped releasing major updates for the game, and then its last season launched in March 2021, almost a full year ago. But in their June E3 live stream, Ubisoft said that Hyperscape wasn't mentioned, or in that live live stream, the most recent one, Hyperscape was not mentioned at all. Next up, VGC reports, Warner Bros. has reiterated its intention to release Gotham Knights in 2022, so it will be coming this year. In a series of tweets following the publication of the game's quarterly fiscal uh, results last week, Warner Media CEO Jason Killar said it plans to deliver a full slate of highly anticipated games this year, accompanied by images of Gotham Knights and Hogwarts Legacy, which was also rumored to be delayed. Also, Warner Bros. has reportedly delayed the release of Suicide Squad's Kill the Justice League to next year, which was supposed to be released this year. Previously scheduled, according to Bloomberg, sources familiar with the title have confirmed that it's 2023 release is now uh the the new time frame so hopefully that somehow is not true because oh i really wanted to play that game this year I, I, but yeah it is what it is if that's the case maybe we'll just play gotham knights instead okay and now let's round out with two more vgc also reports that netherrealm speaking of warner bros netherrealm studios appears to have leaked the existence of mortal kombat 12 but it may have been deliberate obviously that's going to be their next game because they always do injustice mortal kombat injustice mortal kombat so it's no surprise that this is probably what they're working on next but Jonathan Anderson is a senior production manager in the fighting game studio. And on Thursday last week, he tweeted a photo on his desk. The photo showed uh, printouts of artwork from Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, and Injustice 2 laying on his desk. However, at the corner of it was a photo in his monitor, which shows a file partially called MK12 underscore mass. So teasing a little bit of Mortal Kombat 12, probably going to be revealed in the next couple months, likely. And then finally... VGC reports that It Takes Two, the popular game released last year, is set to be adapted into a film or television. Uh, developed by Haze Light, the team has uh, worked headed up at DJ2 Entertainment, the production company behind the Sonic the Hedgehog films, to bring It Takes Two to a wider audience for possibly film or television. The ironic thing there is Joseph Farah, the guy behind Haze Light, used to work in films and decided he hated Hollywood and hated the film industry and then went into video games and now his popular video game is going to be made into a film. So that is super funny in my opinion. But guys, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. We have made it to the end of the podcast. Honestly, I was expecting this to be a longer podcast than it ended up being, but hey, here we are. Let's run out with uh, new games with gold for the month of February. We do have four new titles. And spoiler alert, it's another really shitty month for games with gold. Honestly, Microsoft could just get rid of this altogether and no one would care. But anyway, here we go. We got Broken Sword 5, The Serpent's Curse, available for the entire month. Remember, it's a 28-day month, so you got less time to claim it. Go ahead and do it, you dumb bitch. Aerial Knights Never Yield, available February 16th through March 15th. So download that as well if you want to get that in your in your piggy bank hydrophobia is available march or february 1st through 15th that was a third party exclusive for xbox 360 i I never knew much about that game but i I need to look into it more and then band of bugs is available february 16th through the 28th another 360 game i think that's one of the ones where you get to play as your avatar so guys not a great lineup but uh be sure to download them because, hey, free games are free games. You're paying for that gold. Might as well claim them, you know? So 
That's going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox On. You guys, it was silly. It was fun. We all talked. We all laughed. We all goofed around. There are some funny comments, but I would like to just say real quick, I appreciate the support, you guys, but so so much all the times you guys listen in and write in. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I need to be better about begging you guys to support me. If you could, it'd mean the world to me if you could. Check out my other YouTube page if you're looking for some stupid comedy entertainment as pertains to video games, it is Lightning Extreme on YouTube. Lightning Extreme, I should say. Check out some funny YouTube poops, some funny Twitch stream chop-ups, and I'm working on some more serious content right now for a new video that should be up, not the end of this week, but the end of next week. Uh, so I'm making videos at a consistent clip right now, again, about two of them out a month, and it really mean the world to me if you guys would check it out. I'm trying to get a few more subscribers, grow that channel a little more. YouTube can be so discouraging with how hard it is to get your video discovered. Um, so that would mean the world. And as always, you know, if you could leave a like or comment on this video, reach out to us, help us in increase the engagement in the Xbox on community, leave a five star review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, it really means the world. And if you want to keep up with me or follow me or be stupid with me, you can always head on over to uh, X or well, what is my name on Twitter? It is Jesse DeRosa on Twitter. So guys, I appreciate your time as always. Have a wonderful week. God bless. And until next time, power your streams. Nope. This isn't the stream. We say, power your dreams here. <laughs> <laughs>